Chapter Twenty Three of Overruled by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Three. It might have been. Will there ever be a longer night than the one which that poor, self-ruined man spent alone in the room peopled with memories of his childhood? He could not help looking about him occasionally and recalling memories. It was a long time since he had been in that room. Over there was the bed into which his mother had so often tucked him on cold winter nights, and when the blankets were just to his mind, she had bent and kissed him and said cheerily, pleasant dreams how long ago that was he must be at least a hundred years old now yonder was the table where he had sat when he wrote the essays of which they had been so proud he remembered the one that took the prize he could see as if it were but yesterday his father bending over it with him asking his opinion about a certain word offering a bit of shrewd advice about a sentence, which advice his son never took. He had been sufficient to himself, and wiser than his father, even in those early days. He could hear his own voice again. Every word of it is mine, father, spoken with swelling pride. And then, with an ascension of superiority, some of the fellows in school copy awfully. Then his father's voice, that is right my boy whatever else my son becomes in the world i hope he will always be strictly honest in word and deed at that very table he had practised his lately acquired art of shading letters making what his father considered beautiful writing they had been proud of his penmanship he drew out the old drawer that creaked a good deal and came out crooked and halfway refused to go farther it had been an old table even so long ago as when this man, who felt so old, was a boy. Within were the very papers he had left when he went out from home. They were a family not given to change, and both mother and daughter had had a fancy for preserving this room of Ralph's just as it was. He turned over the papers, scraps of all sorts of youthful effort. He found a paper that stabbed him, it was simply names, written all over in different styles of writing, his father's name, his uncle's, his teacher's, the minister's. He could hear his own voice distinctly now. Look, father, see how I can imitate Mr. Burr's handwriting. I don't believe you could tell that from his. And the father had shaken his head and said, A dangerous talent, my boy. I should not care to cultivate it. I have known of its getting more than one man into mischief. That had been long ago when he was the merest boy. Had the words been prophetic? They brought back suddenly to Ralph Bramlett his awful present. He shut the door with a groan and turned away. Yet where should he turn? The room was peopled with images. Let his eyes fall where they would, they brought him instantly stories of his youthful, comparatively innocent past. And between that past and this awful night lay a great gulf. Given to dreaming from his childhood, there had scarcely been a phase of possible experience that this young man had not at the same time lived mentally. When he was a lad of fifteen, there had been a death in the neighborhood that had left a young man fatherless, with a mother and two little brothers dependent upon him. 
the scenes connected with that time had impressed the boy vividly in imagination he had put himself forward into manhood and arranged a similar experience his father's sick bed that presently became a dying bed and himself the stay and comfort of all concerned it had been he to whom his father had looked for strong and tender helpfulness he alone had been able to change his position administer medicine or food it had been his form that his father's failing eyes followed his name had been the last word spoken by the paling lips spoken in gratitude and trustfulness commending his mother and sister to his care afterwards he had been his mother's refuge he had supported her with his arm during the last trying moments he had carried her fainting from the room he had hung over her in self-forgetful tenderness all through the hours that followed ministering to her every want he had upheld his sister with kind brave words and had been told by her and by his mother again and again that they could not live but for him he had thought of everything been ready with directions to the outsiders who waited for his orders been wise and thoughtful above any young man ever known before and his praise had been on all lips such was the dream here was the reality and how awful the contrast some facts had repeated his dream only across the hall his father lay at that moment dead his mother had been carried half fainting from the room but he the son and brother who was to have been all in all to her at that hour had not dared to so much as raise his eyes to her face nobody consulted him nobody thought of him ah not that last he knew that everybody thought of him with contempt with indignation with shame for a man like ralph bramlett to be able to conceive of the world as thinking of him with scorn and aversion was almost enough to dethrone his reason as the hours wore away and his haunting memories became more and more keen and piercing he sprang up almost in terror he began to walk the floor with rapid strides how was it all to end how could he get out of this room this house away from everybody who had ever seen or heard of him before was there not some refuge he could not face those people and read their opinion of him as he glanced he would rather have been left in prison locked in from these awful retributions it was a cruel kindness that had opened those prison doors and let him come forth no no he did not mean that he could not have borne it not to have heard his father's voice again and his name had indeed been the last upon those dying lips but oh could he ever even when death mercifully released him from this horror of living forget the reason even the wife of fifty years had been apparently forgotten for the son's sake but the reason oh, the awful reason it would drive him wild yet he had been forgiven like as a father pitieth he could seem to hear the familiar voice once again repeating the words and that last word that very last what had it been pray ralph pray oh god he said again in agony i cannot i don't know how to pray i have never prayed in my life i have been a hypocrite always and only 
when i joined the church i was a hypocrite when i married my wife i was a hypocrite when i went into what i called business i was a hypocrite i have deceived everybody most of all myself i have ruined my life i am a felon a convict or soon will be i am a murderer i have killed my father i shall kill my mother if i could only kill myself yet i dare not do this could i risk the chance even of meeting my own father again it was an awful experience yet one who had a real heart knowledge of human experience and of the refuge established for the sin haunted might have had a more hopeful feeling for that young man's future than ever before at last he had been entirely frank with himself for a single moment he had laid aside all subterfuges all confessions of the sins of others stripped himself of excuses and stood with his naked soul before him taking in not only its might have been but its awful poverty if only such gaze can last long enough an honest soul must be driven from itself in search of refuge and it is then if ever that the claims of the lord jesus christ may be urged meantime outside there were anxious conferences i don't know what to do said marjorie edmonds in great distress it seems cruel to leave him to himself for so long he may be almost insane with grief this is no common sorrow he ought to have some refreshment at least think what a night the last one must have been to him and the day that followed it now it is almost morning again somebody ought to go to him they were standing together for a moment dr maxwell and herself near one of the eastern windows consulting as to the various questions that had come up for decision dr maxwell comparative stranger though he was by reason of his profession had been very closely allied to the tragedy that was being enacted hannah bramlett having seen evidences of his skill in the restoration of the little child at factoryville had insisted on his seeing her father she had been equally determined to have marjorie with her begging her so earnestly to stay when she called the evening before that it seemed cruel to deny her so marjorie had of necessity assumed a degree of management the neighbors generally seeming to recognize in her an intimate friend mr maxwell had but a short time before driven home with mrs edmonds marjorie agreeing to wait until she should see hannah again as she spoke they both noted that the gray light of another morning was struggling into the sky who is there that can go to him dr maxwell asked i thought at first it would be better to leave him quite alone but we may be overdoing that part of it as you say by the way where is his wife i do not remember to have seen a glimpse of her is she not the one to help him now marjorie shook her head mournfully she has not been here at all she went to her father's as soon as she heard the news that other news i mean and refused to come out here or to see her husband again i saw glide for a few minutes last evening she and mr burwell were here mr burwell came last night and glide told me that he exerted all his influence to induce mrs bramlett to come with them and be here when her husband arrived and failed 
dr maxwell's face darkened is that your idea of the meaning of marriage vows miss marjorie no but there is something to be said for poor estelle she has suffered a great deal i think sometimes i fancy she is hardly in her right mind there has been an estrangement between them for some time indeed i believe they have not even spoken together for weeks oh i do not uphold her of course but don't you think it is very hard to determine what one would do under such terrible circumstances as hers perhaps so do you think it hard to determine what one should do oh no indeed i feel very sure that she ought to come but i am afraid she is in such a condition mentally just now that that word ought has no power over her did it ever have i beg your pardon if i seem to be unduly criticizing your friends but i have wondered if most of the trials of the unhappy husband and possibly of the wife also had not grown out of their inability to grasp the force of that word ought and make it a power in their lives he seems to me peculiarly a man who has perhaps from his early boyhood allowed himself to do that which for the time being he chanced to feel like doing without weighing results until he has educated himself into an overmastering desire to carry out his passing will let the results be what they may it is precisely his character at least i suppose it is she added humbly my mother has had that feeling concerning him ever since his boyhood i used not to think so and there was a time when we were girl and boy together that i think i might have helped him and did not it is that thought which makes it so hard for me to she did not complete her sentence dr maxwell looked down at her with a grave smile are you too haunted by that torturing it might have been he asked i think half the misery of wrecked lives must be comprehended in that phrase i cannot believe that you can have made very grave mistakes so young as you are and yet i can well understand that to a sensitive conscience a memory of what one might have accomplished for another and did not has power to sting i know all about it by bitter experience i stood side by side one evening with a young man a boy my friend and classmate and felt impelled i doubt not now by the power of the holy spirit to say to him come with me into the room yonder where people are being shown the way to christ and i did not say it i told myself that it would be of no use that he was not in the mood for serious things that he would possibly turn the whole matter into ridicule that i might much better wait until some quiet time when we were alone together and i never saw him again miss marjorie he never reached his home an accident overtook him on the way and proved fatal do you not think i should be well able to understand the might have been of life marjorie had never seen him so moved yet after a moment he turned promptly as his fashion was from the thoughts of self to the needs of the hour what about the sister could not she be depended upon in this emergency hannah oh no not to go to ralph at least i think it would do no good he is angry with her has refused this long time even to speak to her indeed mr maxwell you must think we have strange friends 
i never realized the smallness of all these exhibitions so much as i do now what a strange terrible deathbed scene it was but i do not think poor hannah is to blame i mean that she does not feel bitterly towards ralph she keeps away from him only because she fears to do more harm than good it is difficult to know what to do at that moment the door near which they stood opened and mrs bramlett came slowly out she had been a brisk little woman all her life notwithstanding her feeble health but she tottered now and put her hand out in a pitiful way in search of the wall for support her face had a drawn haggard look and altogether the weight of many added years seemed to have fallen upon her in a few hours marjorie moved swiftly toward her speaking tenderly dear mrs bramlett we hoped you were getting a little sleep will you come into the front room and let me bring you a cup of tea and something to eat mrs bramlett shook her head no dear she said i don't feel the need of it do you know where my boy is i want to go to him he is over there in his old room dear mrs bramlett are you strong enough to see him now won't you take just a little nourishment first the tea-kettle is boiling and i could make you a bit of toast in a very few minutes i couldn't eat now child the first mouthful would choke me i ought not to have left ralph so long it was selfish in me poor boy as she spoke she tottered toward ralph's door tapped gently received no answer tapped again then turning the knob entered and closed the door behind her these mothers said dr maxwell brushing a mist from before his eyes we might have known that she would come to the rescue there is nothing that they cannot endure when their children are at stake how one's sympathies are drawn two ways at once under such circumstances as these i find myself feeling so glad that she is moved to go to him and that his door was not locked against her yet at the same time i feel how despicable it is that the strong arm on which she ought to be able to lean in this time of her greatest human need has so utterly failed her one does not know whether most to despise or pity that young man if he has any heart at all how it must goad him now to realize that in this hour of his opportunity he is a broken staff End of chapter 23